welcome to Cinema Wellman. I'm your host, David. And I should actually be welcoming you to Camp Wellman today, not Cinema Wellman. Uh, summer is beginning to wind down, and many summer camps are wrapping up so that the kids can return home in order to get ready for, yeah, school, the S word. Um, what better time to take a look at some camp movies? We have 13 movies for you today that center around summer camp and the camp experience. I never attended a legit summer camp as a kid. My parents sent me to a day camp one summer, or I should say they attempted to send me to a day camp one summer. That did not go well. I have, however, visited a legit summer camp many times as a grown-up, and that's Camp Pinehurst in Raymond, Maine. And If you're watching on YouTube, you'll see that I'm proudly wearing my Camp Pinehurst t-shirt today. Camp Pinehurst has been owned and operated by the Curtis family since being founded in 1946. It's currently being operated by my good friends Jack and Elizabeth Curtis. So a shout out to everyone up there in Raymond, Maine at Camp Pinehurst. I had many a late night visit to the walk-in cooler for snacks and drinks after hours at Pinehurst. That's, that's for sure. I hope everyone at Camp Pinehurst has had a great summer. Uh, it sure looks like it from the photos that I've been looking at on the website. The website is camppinehurstproud.com for those of you that would like to see for yourselves or for those of you with children aged uh, 6 to 14 who are looking for a great camp experience next summer. It's never too early to plan. Now, I'm sure my camp experience would have been totally different as a kid if I went to Camp Pinehurst. I would have loved to go to Pinehurst. And that's what had me thinking about attending the camps portrayed in these movies so that's how I've ranked them. I haven't ranked them from best to worst, worst to best, as I usually do. Um, I'm going to rank them based on and present them based on the reverse order of my desire to attend. So the last film that we'll be discussing today will be the camp that I would most want to attend. So let's begin with the camp I'd least like to attend. And this one was pretty easy. Space Camp from the 1986 movie Space Camp. Nope. All right. Next up is Camp Firewood. <laughs> all right. All right. I'll share a little bit more about Space Camp. Starting with, there is no way that you would ever get me in a shuttle. Not a chance. I'm still having claustrophobic anxiety over that whole submersible thing a couple of months ago. Uh, I guess I really couldn't leave it off this list since it has camp in the title, but this isn't really a camp camp. The story revolves around us believing that a crew of campers and one adult would be allowed on a shuttle that had the capability of launching. Once you get past that, it's not so bad. The entire mess is caused by a robot who decides to think for itself. Good thing this is science fiction. <laughs> I'd hate to see what would happen if we created an artificial life form that became sentient, right? Good thing we're not messing around with that anymore. The release of this film was pushed back due to the Challenger disaster on January 28, 1986. And I have to admit that it's still a little cringy seeing a shuttle in peril. Um, so much of the science didn't seem possible, but it's not like this was a documentary. Space Camp is suitable for campers of all ages. It can be shown in any cabin. Now, on to Camp Firewood, another camp that I'd rather not attend. Camp Firewood is from the 2001 film Wet Hot American Summer. 
If you've ever heard anything about this movie, it's most likely because of the cast. I doubt it was part of a discussion about classic cinema. The cast is impressive. Amy Poehler, Elizabeth Banks, Janine Garofalo, Molly Shannon, Paul Rudd, David Hyde Pierce, Michael Ian Black, and in his film debut, Bradley Cooper. To this day, Cooper cannot recall being paid for his work on this film. Oh, and H. John Benjamin, Archer, and Bob from Bob's Burgers, he voices a can of mixed vegetables. It's that kind of movie. The reason why I wouldn't want to attend this camp is the counselors. The camp itself seemed nice, but the counselors were terrible. Totally unconcerned about the safety of the campers. Only interested in each other and partying. Not that I'm pointing any fingers of blame. I just wouldn't feel safe going there. Making out in front of the campers is just bad form. That and dumping campers out of moving vans at deserted roadways. Questionable behavior, for sure. Along with being a criminal offense. I'm, I'm almost positive of that. The camp's cook is deranged and has a kind of a thing for his refrigerator. That's kind of explained. This one is for older campers and counselors only. The next camp on our tour is, is one that I wouldn't be allowed in, and yet I'd rather try to go there rather than go to Camp Firewood or Space Camp, and that's Miss Inch's Summer Camp for Girls from the 1961 film The Parent Trap. Other than not being a girl... I really couldn't get a feel for Miss Inch's Summer Camp for Girls because this movie didn't really camp that much. I'm sure you're familiar with the story. Twin girls separated at birth by their parents, I never understood that, meet with meet each other at a summer camp and hatch a scheme to reunite their parents, the old parent trap as it were. Brian Keith plays the girl's boring father and he's just as stiff and lifeless as the boring father he played on the TV show Family Affair. When Haley Mills, who plays the twins, is shot using the split-screen effect, you'll be reminded of how much this effect has improved over the years. Uh, in this film, the effects are more along the lines of how they used it um, in Gilligan's Island and Bewitched. The movie itself is pretty harmless, although I have no idea why it needed to be stretched to two hours and nine minutes. The sequel is much better. I can't believe I just said that. Next up, a camp with solid campers, but an obnoxious owner. It's Camp Hope from the 1990 film, sorry, 1995 film, Heavyweights. Camp Hope, as in I hope you never have to sit through this trash. Of all the films on this list, this is by far the worst. We have fart jokes. We have punches to the groin. And we have more fart jokes. Maybe this is what the director thinks camp is all about. Do all camps have to have a rival-slash-evil camp just across the lake to torment them? What is that all about? Is that real? Is that a thing? Or is it just lazy filmmaking? The PG rating for this movie is because of pranks. That itself is funnier than anything in this movie. These pranks would be considered attempted murder in many states. Ben Stiller plays the exact same character he plays in Dodgeball, a true underdog story. I guess nobody noticed because nobody saw this film. Watch Dodgeball instead, uh, you know, again, instead of this crap. From one of the directors who brought you Movie 43, which is considered to be one of the worst films of all time. Not in a good way. Uh, now there's an endorsement. Next up is the least original camp name on this list. Let's all go to Urban Canoe Camp, which is from the 2020 film Loop. Loop 
is the sixth short animated film in Pixar's Spark Shorts program, and it's about a talkative boy and a nonverbal autistic girl who learn to understand each other on a canoe trip. I happened upon this short film by total accident when I was looking for other camp movies on Disney+, and I'm happy that I did. I am totally in favor of all people being positively represented in television and film projects. Having taught teenagers for 33 years, I know how important it is for young people to see themselves represented in TV shows and movies. It's extremely important for people, especially young people, to be able to relate to characters in the shows and the movies they watch. I think it's empowering for the young people to see some of themselves in the characters on the screen. I often think of Jackie Robinson and his breaking of the color barrier in Major League Baseball. In the blink of an eye, millions of black people saw themselves represented in a sport that had gone without them, ignored them for so long. It opened the eyes of many young black athletes who thought that if Jackie could do it, so could they. It's positive, it's empowering, it's important to self-esteem. It's extremely beneficial in so many ways. When you feel like you are different or don't fit in, being accurately represented on a TV show or in a movie can mean the world to a youngster. I'm sure there were nonverbal autistic people who saw this movie and were happy to see themselves accurately portrayed. Madison Bandy plays Renee in Loop, and she is non-speaking and autistic. Filmmakers brought in consultants from the Autistic Self-Advocacy Network to ensure authenticity. A goal of the filmmakers was to help people gain a sense of the way a non-speaking autistic person might communicate their feelings differently. That's fantastic. And this is a sweet, sweet movie whose heart is certainly in the right place. Loop is recommended for any and all campers. And it's short. <laughs> I love shorts. Next, there's more animated camp fun at Camp Remote. Camp Remote's from the 1977 film Race for Your Life, Charlie Brown. <laughs> like every camp on this list, Camp Remote has its positives and its negatives. The major negative is in this one is the bullies that seem to run rampant all over the place. The reason for this is the total absence of adult supervision. Like any Charlie Brown cartoon worth its salt, the adults don't matter at all. That's why they all speak in the same monotonous wah, 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 wah voice that we're all familiar with. What they say is not important. The major positive is the total absence of adult supervision as a kid who wouldn't want this. If you enjoy the Peanuts Thanksgiving and Christmas shows, you'll enjoy this. Uh, there's a decent rafting sequence that doesn't include Ned Beatty. So there's another positive. This is appropriate for all campers, no matter the cabin. I don't remember much about Peppermint Patty, but she's an absolute sociopath in this movie. I don't remember that from the Thanksgiving and Christmas shows. That being said, Sally delivers the best line in the movie when she says, I'm going to bring down her window shade. <laughs> Tarantino wishes he wrote that one. Next up is Camp Tamaqua. And there's only one reason to attend Camp Tamaqua. And this is from the 1993 film Indian Summer. And that one reason to go even near Camp Tamaqua is the outside chance at seeing Diane Lane. <laughs> Indian Summer is one of two films on this camp list that features a camp 
but no campers. In the case of Indian Summer, we have all former campers, played by Diane Lane, Bill Paxton, Elizabeth Perkins, Kevin Pollack, and Sam Raimi, of all people. Uh, They are the 30-somethings who return to their childhood camp that is run by the late, great Alan Arkin. The camp is in danger of closing. Arkin feels like he's losing touch with the campers. He wants them all to celebrate the closing, etc. You can see that one of them's going to buy it. That doesn't matter. <laughs> when you take the campers out of the equation, though, it's not as fun. I'm not saying the movie is bad, but only older campers and counselors would be even interested. This reminded me of the big chill without the suicide or the good mu- music. <laughs> Next, we have Camp Kikiki, a.k.a. the camp that... Ernest went to. From 1987, we have Ernest Goes to Camp. I watched an Ernest movie. Let me begin by saying that I've never heard anyone say anything bad about the late Jim Varney. By all accounts, he was a decent man that made a career out of playing a good-hearted but dim-witted Ernest in silly family comedies. He must have been doing something right since he starred in nine movies as Ernest. Keeping all of this in mind, I cut Ernest some slack. Ernest goes to camp. I cut it some slack. It's a kid's movie. It's a family movie. You know there's going to be toilet humor. What I wasn't expecting, what caught me off guard, was a Yosef Mengele joke. And there was also a Lindbergh baby joke. (laughs) One of the tropes that shows up over and over in movies set at a summer camp is how bad the food is. I once again think of Camp Pinehurst. And I can say that is not the case there at Pinehurst. A former cook, Vern, is immortalized with a plaque in the dining hall that features a big spoon. Vern was the best. And camp food can be good, and Pinehurst proves that. Uh, Back to this film, Dean Wormer from Animal House, John Vernon, who also did episodes of Canon, um, and ex-NFL player Lyle Alzado show up in this. Dean Wormer straight up tries to murder Ernest at the end of this, which was a tad shocking for a family comedy, I guess. Um, There was a final battle that easily could have included several fatalities. Is that broad comedy? Uh, The 80s score is hilarious as anything in the movie. Ernest is harmless, and uh, Ernest goes to camps appropriate for all campers, uh, especially those who enjoy toilet humor. Our next stop is Camp Walden and a film for which Lindsay Lohan was given an introducing credit. We love those. Camp Walden's from the 1998 version of The Parent Trap. This remake of the 1961 original is very close when compared to the source material. The story was updated to the late 90s, and the split-screen technology looks much better for what it's worth. Dennis Quaid replaces the stiff Brian Keith, so that was a good thing. Uh, The movie only camps for 33 minutes, but Walden seems like a decent place, even though they have an isolation cabin that's used as a punishment. And to me, that looked like the best cabin by far. The two of them were allowed to just chill in the isolation cabin? Are you kidding me? I don't have to do arts and crafts? All right. I said this when talking about the original, and it's true again. How on earth does this story merit two hours and eight minutes There's really not that much story here. Other than that, it's appropriate for all campers. And Lindsay Lohan's introducing credit is one of four on this list. We only have three camps left. And next up is Camp Ivanhoe. Terrible book. Hopefully the camp is better. Camp Ivanhoe is from the 2012 film 
Moonrise Kingdom. A summer camp run by Wes Anderson may be one of the greatest ideas in the history of ideas. Moonrise Kingdom is one of my favorite Wes Anderson films. In a future installment of Director's Corner, we'll be ranking Anderson's entire filmography, and we hope you come back and join us for that. This has everything you'd expect in a Wes Anderson film. It's got a great cast. It's got interesting and sometimes minimalist sets. It's got playful camera movement. It's a compelling story. And, of course, quirky characters. More on all of those when we bring Wes into the director's corner. But today, let's focus on the camp, Camp Ivanhoe, that's shown in this film. Uh, this may have been a bit higher on the list had it not been for a group of psychotic campers who seemed delighted by the idea of using any means necessary, including excessive force, to bring back a young camper who has gone AWOL. As Edward Norton says when he discovers the missing camper, Jiminy Cricket, he's flown the coop. Such an Anderson line. The missing camper has run away with his young love, and this couple, played by Kara Hayward and Jared Gilman, who both got an introducing credit. It, this couple is absolutely, ador absolutely adorable in every way. One of the sweetest scenes uh, has the two dancing lakeside in their skivvies listening to music because, you know, she brought her record player along on the hike. That's essential stuff. That wax. Francis McDormand, Bill Murray, Bruce Willis, Tilda Swinton, uh, and more join troop leader Norton as they all rush to save these children who don't need saving at all. This is a sweet film that will make you smile. Older campers and counselors will appreciate it more than the younger folks. Next up is a visit to Camp Nowhere. Camp Nowhere is from the 1994 film titled Camp Nowhere. Here's a quote from the film. I can't believe nobody is pressing charges. I had the same exact thought while watching Camp Nowhere. From IMDb, a group of junior high kids don't want to go to the summer camps chosen by their parents. They make their own adult-free camp and hire an ex-drama teacher to help. The ex-drama teacher is played by Christopher Lloyd, who I loved as Reverend Jim in the TV show Taxi. Not a fan of the film series that made him a big star. Uh, another example of me being a film contrarian, contrarian, I guess. Oh, well. An adult-free camp is certainly every kid's dream. And there's a lot of teen-style debauchery as they use the money the parents paid for their real camp to spruce up their fake camp. This reminded me a lot of the film Accepted, a Justin Long comedy about a group of kids who start their own college when they don't get in anywhere else. Camp Nowhere is kind of like a camp version of Accepted in many ways. I actually liked both. This is kind of silly, and it's totally preposterous that they got away for it as long as they did, but it was kind of fun at times. This is for older campers and counselors. I definitely fit in at Camp Nowhere. And our final stop is the camp that I'd most like to attend of all these fictional camps, and that's Camp North Star from 1979's Meatballs. You had to think that this was going to be at the top of the list, right? Meatballs came out when I was in high school, and it made Camp North Star look like one of the best places on earth. A camp that has Bill Murray as a counselor? Are you kidding me? The counselors were sometimes neglectful, but they did care about their campers and tried to assist with their problems and difficult situations, as good counselors do. Murray plays Tripper who seems a little old to be a camp counselor, but I'll let that slide. 
Tripper befriends young outcast camper Rudy, played by Chris Makepeace, and another beneficiary of an and introducing credit. Ivan Reitman directed this movie that's all about the wacky hijinks of counselors and campers at a less-than-average summer camp, according to IMDb. There's some bad behavior, but it's, you know, it's camp. (laughs) What do you expect? This is one for older campers and counselors as, as well. And that's it. That's a wrap for here at Cinema Wellman or Camp Wellman. I should, what? I, I forgot one. Oh, I did. I did, didn't I? Um, considering that these were ranked in the order in which I'd like to attend, does that make the next one my first choice? It does. All right. All right. Here we go. Let's do it. Welcome to Camp Crystal Lake, of course, from the 1980 film, Friday the 13th. This was a delight to rediscover. I hadn't watched this in forever. So full disclosure, I am a huge fan of the slasher genre. It started with Psycho in 1961 and continued with the Texas Chainsaw Massacre in 1974, and that led to the bloody 80s. And I was all in on those bloody 80s. Are we going to keep doing this with the flashlight? It was a good effect. Can I go back to light? All right. (laughs) Oh, the special effects budget, and I can't get the lights back on. The special effects budget here at Cinema Wellman is just, it's outrageous, going through the roof. Um... So, uh, I'm not going to claim that I've seen everything that this genre had to offer during that bloody decade, but I tried my best. Halloween, Terror Train, Nightmare on Elm Street, Prom Night, Slumber Party Massacre. The list is seemingly endless. I hadn't seen the original Friday the 13th in quite a while, and I'm pleased to announce that it hasn't changed a bit. Kevin Bacon is a lot more famous now, but this movie still has what it takes to make it a pillar of the slasher film genre. The ending is both shocking and ridiculous. It really makes no sense when you think about it, and yet there were so many more of these movies made. With that in mind, I'd like to announce an October episode a little early. Since the 13th of October this year is a Friday, you you can see this coming, Cinema Wellman will be doing an episode ranking all 12 movies in the Friday the 13th series. As of right now, I've only seen three of them, so this is going to get messy. Uh, Back to the original. When all the murdering goes on, there are no campers at the camp. Keeping that in mind, I, I would have no issue attending Camp Crystal Lake. It's got a good backstory. Killers targeting counselors, not campers. I'd be in the clear. Oh, this is all good. When I was at BU... I wrote a paper for one of my film classes about what has become known as the final girl in modern horror movies. I wrote that paper in 1983, and yet Carol J. Clover in her 1992 book titled Men, Women, and Chainsaws, Gender in the Modern Horror Film, gets all the credit for coming up with the concept. I, 1983, I wrote it. 1990, 10 nine years later, she gets credit. Oh, well. All right. In the final girl scenario, only the virgins will survive. If you engage in premarital sex, drink alcohol, smoke pot, you are dead meat. 
It's just the way it works in these movies. All of these movies. This one is obviously for older campers and counselors only. Hard to believe that this movie was inspired by meatballs. More on the Friday the 13th series later this fall. Now that's a wrap from here at Cinema Wellman or Camp Wellman. Thanks once again for joining us here on YouTube or if you listen on Spotify or if you read the blog on cinemawellman.com. Thank you for consuming all things Cinema Wellman. We certainly appreciate you making time to join us each week here in the cozy confines of Cinema Wellman. Join us next week as Cinema Wellman takes on the American Film Institute. They know what they did. Cinema Wellman versus the AFI right here next week. And until then, take care.